We are continuing our, our series on coming together and discussing what it looks like, just a few aspects. You know, with, a, with any series, you only have a, a four, maybe five weeks, or if it's a two-month series, eight or so weeks to, to touch on a topic. But there's no topic in Christianity or the Bible that can be thoroughly discussed in just a few weeks. So we kind of skim in the surface. Last week talked about different activities or aspects of what a healthy church should include. And as uh, we've already mentioned, there was quite a range of things in those 12 uh, activities listed in Acts 2.42. Today, we're going to zero in on a, a particular set of gifts, commonly called the charismatic gifts. Um, just for a note, charismatic is from the word charis, which is most oftenly translated in the New Testament as grace. And so they're actually grace gifts, so they're expressions of grace. And I believe when you understand that, that should shape how you function in the charismatic gifts in that they should impart grace, and they should flow out of grace. And, and uh, so a church that is flowing in charismatic giftings should be full of grace. And the people should be uh, living in and expressing the, the favor of God, the love of God, that everything that we think about grace, think of it in terms uh, that the charismatic gifts are an expression of that. So we're going to look at some scriptures that talk about the charismatic gifts, and how the, uh, they are to function within a church setting. Um, beginning with 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, 7 through uh, 12, Paul writes about uh, the charismatic gifts, and he lists, gives a list of them. It says the manifestation of the Spirit. First of all, uh, these gifts are the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And the word manifestation, big word, a lot of syllables, it just means uh, to make uh, evident, to, to express in a way that people can see it, feel it, touch it. Um, and so it's expressing the Spirit in a manifest way, in a way that uh, uh, you can see it, you can feel it, you can be impacted by it. And the manifestations of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is generally... Um, uh, uh, having uh, a level of wisdom uh, that is above and beyond just being smart, okay? It's, it's beyond Bill's ability to make a spreadsheet or a graph, all right? <laughs> as amazing as that is, all right? <laughs> so the word of wisdom is, uh, and, and this is something, it's, it's kind of neat to experience is when you say something and you go, wow, where did that come from? But it just hits the mark, you know, or someone says it to you and it's like, it, it's, it's like a word from God, bam, that brings an understanding, a clarity to a situation or, or, or to an issue that you're dealing with. Um, to another, the word of knowledge. Now, this is uh, information that you could not have known in a natural way. And the great example of this is Jesus when the woman approached him and uh, um, he asked for uh, something to drink and she starts talking religious and he says, 
you know, where's your husband? And she says, well, I'm not married. And he was like, you're right, you're not married. You've been married five times, and the man you're living with is not your husband. Now, how did he know that? It was supernatural knowledge that he was able to tap into. Um, and that is one of the gifts. It's knowing information. A word of knowledge is often used in <clears throat> church services and ministries. With, uh, we don't do it a lot here, but it's something that we could grow in. And it is having um, the Lord reveal, hey, there's someone in the church that's having pain in their left eye right now. And if you're having pain in your left eye, God wants to heal you. Uh, is there anybody that has pain in their left eye? Are you having pain in your left eye? Isn't that cool? Let's pray for <clears throat> Yeah. So which one is it? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> You're just checking to see if I know my right or left. Ah, would you join with me in prayer? Who's never prayed for someone to be healed before? Anybody here never prayed for somebody to be healed before? Who feels led to come up and pray for Marilee right now? Good old Jimmy. Come on, Jimmy. Woo! <clears throat> okay, put your hand on her left shoulder. No, Jimmy, put, <laughs> put your hand. There you go. <laughs> All right, let's all pray together. Father, uh, just, just turn your attention to the Lord. Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name. We command Marilee's eye to be healed. We command this pain to be gone in Jesus' name. Whatever the cause of it, uh, we come against, uh, Lord, any, any curse, any judgment, any, any issue in her physically, spiritually, emotionally, and we command healing in her physical body that her eye would no longer have pain. Jesus' name. Now, honest answer, any different? 50% better? 60% better? Yeah, I mean, it feels 10% better. better. I don't always, like, know right in the moment. Like, in the it moment. Would be, like, throughout the day, I could tell more, but right now it doesn't feel better. Okay, let's just pray another prayer. Father, we pray, we don't want partial healing, we want complete healing. Lord, we pray that... Uh, that she would go not only this day, uh, but from here on, Lord, there would be no pain. We just say that this is a part of her past. It's no longer part of her present and certainly not part of her future. And we bind and seal this by the blood of Jesus and the Lordship of Christ through which we function in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. <clears throat> Hallelujah. You may be seated so I can continue. <laughs> so word of knowledge, it doesn't only, unfortunately, it's kind of been, uh, you know, uh, siloed into that one expression. That's just one way. You can have a word of knowledge walking down the street, knowing something about someone, and then you say it in a non-spooky, weird way, and, and it gets their attention so that you uh, can then maybe begin a talk about, uh, with them about the Lord Jesus or something that can change their lives. All right, to another faith. Well, we're all, we all have faith. In order to be saved, to get to heaven, you have to have a measure of faith. So this is not talking about saving faith. This is talking about a supernatural level of faith to do extraordinary things. And um, <clears throat> whenever I'm around Josh Muse, this guy, this guy just lives in a level of supernatural faith. And so he, he just has these crazy ideas, and then he does them. <laughs> like, uh, building a massive refugee center uh, in less than eight weeks. 
from dirt that had no water, no sewer, nothing, to a massive complex that can eventually hold up to five or six hundred. Right now they have a few hundred in there already. Um, all right, to another, the gift of healing. So uh, we prayed that uh, Marilee would be healed, and we believe that there's healing. Again, everyone can pray for healing, and, and there's an, uh, a level of anointing for healing that everyone can call, step into. But sometimes God gifts individuals uh, with a, 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 the ability to minister into this in a greater measure. And so uh, people like Randy Clark, and others who just, that's what their ministry is known for. They're operating at a really high level of the uh, gift of healing. To another working of miracles. I think the difference <clears throat> between the two is, uh, like, she's got pain in her eye, we pray for healing. <clears throat> but when someone, like, is doesn't have a limb, <laughs> and, you know, I've heard stories. I've not, not seen it myself, but uh, I've heard stories from very reputable people that have been verified where limbs will just miraculously grow, uh, creative miracles, so, uh, something that doesn't exist comes into existence. That's not just healing. That is a miracle or um, <clears throat> things like uh, walking on water <laughs> or feeding the multitudes. I was thinking, you know, Jesus fed the multitudes numerous times, and I've heard testimonies of, uh, of miraculous multiplication of food quite frequently. But we don't see that in the New Testament outside of Jesus, do we? There's no time in the, in the Acts. Kind of interesting. I just, just thought of that. Elijah and the widow. Yeah, there was some feeding. So it's available. <clears throat> Miracles. And to another, oh, prophecy. This is foretelling. It's not future telling. It's foretelling. It's, it's communicating the mind of the heart of God uh, concerning a person, uh, an issue, or a people, and it can re involve the future, but most of the times it doesn't. To another, uh, discerning of spirits, and that is the ability to know if uh, uh, something is from the enemy, uh, is fleshly, or is actually from the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like understanding the spiritual realm uh, to a greater degree than just intuition. It's a Holy Spirit gift. To another, different kinds of tongues. So this is speaking. We're going to talk a lot more for the rest of the sermon about tongues. I'm not going to talk too much more about it. And then a separate gift is the interpretation of tongues. And so this is a spiritual gift. This is not knowing a foreign language. It's a Holy Spirit, a grace gift to be able to interpret uh, an unknown tongue. <clears throat> but one and the same Spirit works all of these, distributing to each one as He wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all of the members of the body of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. All right. <clears throat> so the expression given to each one for the profit of all. Super important. There's an equal emphasis in this passage and actually this whole uh, section of Scripture on each individual receiving uh, spiritual gifts. And by the way, I'm of the uh, uh, opinion that the Holy Spirit can equip or manifest any one of the gifts in any Christ follower at any time, all right? It's not like you get one gift or maybe one, like it's not like those personality things where you're, you're I'm an eight wing seven, you know what I'm right? <laughs> yeah. I'm a prophecy wing tongues or something like that, no. <laughs> 
<laughs> but there is a truth that you, you, you may be more gifted, you may, or you may actually operate in the, the, a calling or an actual office of a prophet. So there are levels, it's a whole other teaching. Um, but if need be, if you're a Christian and God wants to heal somebody, he can use you to heal them. Even if you've never prayed for healing for someone ever before, okay? And you need to believe that because it's not you, it's the Holy Spirit, okay? So, um, and, but the, the benefit is for the whole church, all right? So it's individual, there's a balance between the individual and the corporate blessing, all right? No one is left out, but nothing is for personal gain or fame, but for the good of all. The big idea here is you have something the rest of us need, okay? So say it with me. I have something everyone else needs. You have something everyone else in the church needs. Do you believe that? No, you don't. Seriously. Do you live your life based on that conviction? When you come to church, before you come to church, throughout the week, are you thinking in that way? Do you really believe that? I think your life would reflect it in a greater measure. If you don't show up at church, the rest of us miss out on something God gave to you to bring to us. Now, I understand sometimes you can't come to church. For those of you at home, you're attending to the degree that you can. And you can, you can give from home. And there are ways to be involved, even if you're not physically here. Thank God for the technology that we have. You know? But being a part of a congregation means that God has something for the whole congregation that it's up to you to bring. And I believe that being part of a church is that you live with this conviction. It's a conviction. All right? In other words, you are convinced of it, and you live your life based on that. Every week of your life, you never have to think, oh, man, should I go to church this week? Because you, you know that if you don't, someone else is going to miss out. It's not just for you. It is for you but it's for others. And you live in such a way that, that you contribute so that if you aren't present for some reason, not only does someone notice, but they actually miss out. There's a deficit. And see, this is true whether you believe it or not. <laughs> and so people are living with partial because everyone in the congregation isn't giving what God intends them to give, whether it be the charismatic gifts or some of the activities that we talked about last week or some other expression of the love of God. So be so much a part of a church that if you're not there, it's as if a person, the body of Christ, is missing a limb. You know, if I didn't have my <coughs> a leg, it would kind of affect how I... I, I, I did church, wouldn't it? All right? And so that, that's the truth. Uh, and, and as we bring our gifts, it's, as, it, it's that important. 
Now, if that's not how you're living, that's not how you actually do life, then perhaps, just saying, maybe you're not part of the body. Maybe you're just a spectator. You show up and pick up on what other people bring. But if you're part of the body, you should live this way. All right. Isn't that good? Everybody say amen. Happy about that? Okay. <clears throat> Later in the passage, Jesus, uh, Paul uh, talks about um, that how visible a part of a physical body, an, a, a part of a, our physical body is, doesn't determine the value. You know, you can't see my heart. <laughs> but if my heart wasn't in there, I, you know, I'd be dead, right? <laughs> so it's pretty important. Okay. And so how 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 visible, you know. You can see my eyebrows. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Not valuable at all. <laughs> I do, I do. And occasionally start them crying. <laughs> so the point is, the visibility of our gift doesn't determine its value. All right? So just the fact that I'm up here in front of everybody with all these bright lights shining in my face, talking to everyone, doesn't mean that what I have is more important or valuable than what someone who never stands in front of people uh, gives. And in fact... Uh, it's often the unseen things that are the most valuable. <clears throat> uh, goes on in uh, chapter 12, verse 18. God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So understanding that you being put in a particular congregation with the giftings you have is, is, is you know, instituted by God. God has a purpose. Don't miss out on that purpose. And since it was God who gave you that gift, and God who put you in uh, this congregation, how you steward that gift and how you contribute to the congregation, the church, is a direct reflection of your relationship, your submission to, and how you honor the Lord. Think about it. How you minister to the church is how you minister to the Lord. And if you think it's different, you are mistaken. If you think you love God, but you're not loving on, your, on the congregation that you're a part of by serving them and, and, and bringing something to each uh, time you have the opportunity and minister to, to them in ways that people's lives are encouraged, then you probably don't really love God. Sorry. The Bible says that really clearly in another book. How can you say you love God who you don't see when you don't love your brother who you do see? All right? This is where the rubber meets the road. All right? <clears throat> Therefore, each of us is responsible to ourselves to steward and use our gift for our own spiritual growth, responsible to the church for the edification, the building up, the encouragement of others, and responsible to God as the giver of the gift. You bear that responsibility. I bear that responsibility. Do it, bear it well. All right, we're going to kind of exegetically go through 
uh, a part of the rest of uh, 1 Corinthians 14, starting in verse 26. How is it then, brethren, when you come together? And that's how we base this series, name of the series, coming together. When you come together, so this section of Corinthians is talking about church services. One of the few places in all of Scripture that it talks about church services, is, um, and this is one of them. Each of you has, each of you, how many of you? How many are left out? Okay. Has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Church is supposed to be interactive and participatory. It's not theater, folks. Right? And you need to understand that. And this is how we uh, uh, structure our church to to be interactive. Everyone is to bring something to the gathering, kind of like a potluck, right? <laughs> Everybody, there's always a few people that show up, and you say, okay, they can, but you know, you're supposed to bring something. Now, this doesn't mean that everyone will have the opportunity to share, but everyone should come ready with something if there's an opportunity to share. And it may be in the service, recognized, visible, like when Sheila came up and shared something from what she experienced earlier. Or it may be just something that happens while you're singing and someone next to you is encouraged by your singing. Or uh, during fellowship after the service, you may say something that, boy, it just it's a word of wisdom to someone and you don't even know you're ministering it. But you came ready. Your spirit was ready to give. Right? That's a, frame of mind, and it really helps if you're here, okay? And, and those online can participate online by doing comments, all right? Sending a text, uh, communicating, praying. It, you need to be involved. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Earlier in this passage, the personal use of tongues is discussed. I'm going to pop through a few verses. It says, uh, Paul says, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. No one understands him. It's a spiritual language. Another place is called the language of angels. Yes, occasionally God can uh, enable someone to speak Chinese or something. We've all heard testimonies. That's actually, in my opinion, you can disagree with me, that's a miracle. <clears throat> Tongues is speaking of angels, and it clearly says no one understands him. And so that means no one speaks that language except the angels. It's a spiritual language. I believe that in Acts, uh, when, uh, when, when all the people heard in their own language, there was only a, 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 probably just the 12 were speaking in tongues on the, on the, on the terrace. <coughs> uh, but there were people from all the different nations. And so when Peter was speaking in tongues, the Greek heard it in Greek, and the, and the Egyptian heard it in Egyptian, Okay, simultaneously, all right? And so it was a miracle. They were given the gift of interpretation while Paul was, uh, uh, Paul, uh, Peter was speaking in tongues and the other disciples. Are you following me? Okay. I know I'm saying a lot, squeezing a lot in. <clears throat> uh, but this is, this is personal tongues. It's, it's uh, uh, spirit speaking to Holy Spirit. My spirit bypassing my intellectual mind and communicating with God in a spiritual way. He who speaks in the tongue edifies himself. 
But he who prophesies edifies the church. In fact, it's the only thing in the Bible that it says you can edify yourself. Uh, everywhere else that word is used, it's edifying others. But here, speaking in tongues, you edify, your, you build up yourself, you strengthen yourself. Paul said he thanked God he spoke with tongues more than you all. And I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. And people that know me probably would agree. Because if you're around me, I'm speaking in tongues almost all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes on and starts addressing how tongues and prophecy is to be uh, used in a, in a meeting. Because if anyone speaks in a tongue, so first verses were about personal use of tongues, and then we're talking about tongues in a meeting. And they're two separate, it's kind of, you do it differently. All right, there are different rules that apply. If anyone speaks in a tongue when you're together, let there be two or at the most three. Each in turn and let one interpret. But if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. All right, let's just talk about this for a minute. Public tongues should be limited and have interpretation because the purpose of a church service is that everyone's edified. You can talk in tongues all you want at home, in the car, on your motorcycle, walking in the woods, <coughs> digging a ditch, all the time, right? If you're not, you should, okay? It's a great habit. There's a lot better than worrying or complaining, all right? So talk in tongues. Fill your mouth with good things, and you won't have room for the bad things. Okay. <laughs> well, let me, let me, now I'm going to talk about it. Keep silent and speak to himself and God doesn't mean inaudible. This is where a lot of people make a mistake. They get, oh, somebody's talking in tongues. I heard somebody in the church talking in tongues. Isn't there supposed to be an interpretation? Guys, read it in context, right? Keep silent and speak to himself. If, you, if you're talking to yourself, does that mean it's totally silent? Maybe, but not necessarily. In fact, talking in tongues silently, I don't think is possible. All right? Because it's not like, you, it's tongues, right? It's not like words you can think without speaking, but you can't talk in tongues without moving the tongue. Quietly. <laughs> All right? You can do it without disturbing others. And if you want to know what this is like, just come close to me during any worship service. And you will hear me. And sometimes I'm louder because you know what? I know that only the people closest to me can hear me. But I don't say it out loud so that everyone can hear. Right? That would be a public speaking in tongues. And then we'd stop and say, let's wait for an interpretation. And that doesn't happen much now. And there's seasons in church where that happens more and less. Back in the 80s, it happened every church service. Prophecy was very rare. You would wait a whole year before there was a prophetic word. All right? But now it's the other way. Prophecy happens all the time. And you hardly ever have tongue. Why is that? I have no idea. And the Holy Spirit emphasizes different things. Part of it is we need to teach more on tongues. Guess what? That's why I'm doing this. <clears throat> All right. Tongues with interpretation and prophecy is preferred because it brings edification to the y'all. 
Uh, generally, tongues are addressed to God. In other words, if it's my spirit praying to God, there's three words in this passage. In Acts, it says it talks about praising. So I'm praying or I'm blessing with the spirit or I'm giving thanks. So if an interpretation of tongues, if I said a tongue, and so the interpretation should be something like, God, you're awesome in all your ways. Everything you do is good. Okay? It's God word. Uh, prophecy, on the other hand, is God speaking to us or the revelation of some truth. And so an interpretation of a tongue really wouldn't be thus saith the Lord. God says this is going to happen. Okay? Now, sometimes that happens in charismatic churches. And, you know, you don't make a big fuss about it. But they're actually prophesying, thinking that they're interpreting a tongue. And that's okay. It's probably a good prophecy. But we probably didn't get the interpretation. Or they twist, they just reword it. Are, are you following me? Okay. Uh, and so the, the re, there's actually, this is it's kind of a big idea. Because it helps you understand tongues and prophecy on a deeper level if you receive this. Tongues and prophecy can create a heavenly dialogue when the people and the people in a church is skilled. All right? It's skilled in this gifting so that it can be a tongue and then there's a prophetic word that comes in response to the tongue. God, you're wonderful in all your ways. Everything that you do is good. Thus saith the Lord, I have good things in store for you. What you've seen to this point is nothing compared to what I have in your future lined up if you receive it, if you follow me. That's a prophetic word that lines up with a, a tongue. Are you following me? And, and I've been in services where that happens, and it is rocking, okay? Like, it goes to a whole other level. And this is a fulfillment of a prophecy concerning the kingdom of Jesus all the way back in Jeremiah as well as other places. The voice of uh, joy and the voice of gladness will be heard again. The voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. And so this is the tongues and prophecy is, is the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of those who will say, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. All right, <clears throat> and then he brings some uh, limitations, uh, instruction about how we use prophecy. Again, let there be two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let uh, the first keep silent. For uh, you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged in the spirit of the prophets or subject to the prophets. For God is not the offer of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. Prophesy, uh, prophecy limited to a couple. <clears throat> prophecy should not dominate a service. Uh, it is not. <clears throat> Excuse me. It is not. It's not more spiritual than teaching. And it's prone to error. In fact, I would say it's less spiritual. Why do you say that? Well, teaching is also an expression of the Spirit. And teaching is generally honed, trained. I spent hours preparing this message that I could have taught without any preparation at all. Because right? I've taught this so many times. And so I, I make sure that the points are clear. I try to make sure the points are clear and substantiated by Scripture. Where anybody can prophesy that may not have that resource of biblical knowledge. All right? 
And that is why here, as well as nearly every place in the New Testament where prophecy is mentioned, it's also mentioned in the immediate context that there needs to be judgment. doesn't say that about all teaching. But it's very clear, hey, if someone prophesies, judge it. All right? Thessalonians, I love how, how clear it is here. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. No, we're going to let the Holy Spirit flow. Do not scoff at prophecies. Right, respect them. But test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. All right? So this means that when you hear a prophetic word, there's something good in it, and you need to throw out the rest. All right? People who develop prophetic gifts has, have a hard time remembering this because they, they, they get real, they, they have a, almost a false confidence in their ability to hear God rather than, than a, a, a good level of humility. Yeah, and it's not, it's not all or nothing. In fact, God, the Bible is really clear. We prophesy in part. Every prophecy you've ever heard personally or spoken over to you is only partly full. And, and, and that means there's a good chance there's filler in there that wasn't, that's not healthy. All right? Eat the chicken. All right? <clears throat> you can all prophesy. This is a clear teaching that prophecy is a gift that everyone can operate to some level. Um, but can doesn't mean should. In other words, we don't, that's why we only have two or three. And the way we do it here is that prophetic words, or if you have a tongue you want to share, public, anything that you want to share publicly, you get a word of knowledge, we pastor that by having you come up and, and run it by the, whoever's doing the MC, leading the service, and they will determine if it's in tune with where they feel, along with the worship leader, uh, if it's in tune with the flow of the service. You may be genuinely hearing God, but it's just not right for the whole congregation at that moment. You need to sit on it. You need to wait on it. Or it might be something personal for you, all right? Or it might just not flow at the moment. And so if, if you come up and share something and they say, not right now, there is no way saying what you're hearing is not accurate. It just means it's not right for the moment. And you respect that. If you do that two or three times and you respect that and you keep coming up, chances are you're going to have an opportunity to share. But if you do it once and you go back to your seat going, oh, they didn't think I was... That's not the right spirit. All right? Are you hearing me? Okay? So uh, we submit it, and this is the way that we do it in order. And this is a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy that Peter quoted uh, in Acts when, this, oh, when, the, when the church was birthed and there was tongues with interpretation. He said, I will pour out my spirit um, on the last days... <clears throat> On all flesh, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants, my female servants, in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And so prophecy is uh, given to each one. Of Pastor Marilee, a few weeks ago, did a great uh, teaching on women's role in ministry. And as this talks about, um, it's not limited to just one uh, 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 gender, it's it's a gift to all. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to try to go through this quickly. I know I'm going over. If you have to leave, you can. <clears throat> um, forgive me. Uh, I, I just feel like I need to touch on this 
because it's so often misunderstood. This next passage, I mean, the very next verse says, women should be kept keep silent in the church for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission as the law also says. If there's anything desired to learn, let them ask their husbands at home for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it you only that it reached? Paul replies, this is how I read this text. This is how many theologians read this text, that he's quoting something that was being taught in Corinth and bringing correction to it, which was the pattern for the whole book of Corinth, uh, the first Corinthians. There are sections that he's, he's basically answering questions or issues that came up in that Corinthians church, and this just follows. Because he just said, you all may prophesy, and then he puts into this, women should keep silent, as the law says. Well, there's a problem. The law doesn't say that anywhere. That's why he's saying, what, do you have some special version of the law that only came to you, Corinthians? Where did you get that, he's saying. He said, that's not in, that's not in the law, it's not in the, in the Bible, right? And it's not how the gifts are taught throughout the New Testament. And it's not how Paul just taught on the spiritual gifts. And it's not the pattern that we see throughout the New Testament. So that little section... <laughs> is actually a correction to an error that unfortunately many people, and I respect them because they're trying to interpret the Bible and apply it in a way that they understand it, but it's, it's easily misunderstood, especially when it's translated by people who already misunderstand it that way. Okay? <clears throat> if anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are commands to the Lord. So he's saying, all this other stuff, 14 chapters and more to come, are the commands of the Lord, and not this other stuff that you're hearing from other people. Um, <clears throat> these are the commands. Uh, and if you don't recognize that, then you not, you're not to be recognized. In other words, the people that are teaching that, don't give, don't give them the pulpit. Is this making sense? Somebody say amen. amen. All right. <clears throat> all right, let me jump through this. So, earnestly desire, chapter starts out with, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. This is something you should really have a passion for, and especially that you can prophesy, that you can share. Why? Because it edifies the church. But all things should be done decently and in an orderly way. Uh, tongues and prophecy are an important part and should be regularly practiced, and that's why this book is devoted to doing that. And we're going to... Um, in a couple of weeks, uh, actually craft a service, which is called River Sundays, um, where we give extra room for the ministry uh, of the body to participate. And we'll give some instructions as we get closer. Uh, but this is for every Sunday, the principles. But we're going to start taking a Sunday once every couple of months where we come, and we're just not going to have a sermon uh, prepared to teach, we're going to just give the whole time for tongues, prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, uh, songs of revelation, all this stuff so that we can, we can stretch our muscles and become a church stronger in these grace giftings. Pastor Bill, could you come up and close this overlong message?
Hello, would you stand with me? I'm excited about River Sunday. That's going to be really fun. It's in two weeks. All right, well, hey, this is the time where we normally respond or do something. I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then I want you to give your gift to somebody else and greet them, all right? Lord, thank you for this teaching. Help us to chew it up and digest it and process it and live according to your word as New Day Community Church even more than we did before. Thank you for this teaching. We just commit to, to do that, to process it and to live it. In Jesus' name, amen.